joining us this morning we are excited to be here at this time we're going to continue our worship uh, we're going to go into a time of prayer but before we do that can we close our eyes and can we just take a breath together can we just breathe in and hold it and just let it out father we breathe you in this morning lord and we rest in your name right now we breathe out all those negativity thoughts and we breathe in your life. We breathe in your love. Fill us up this morning, God. No matter what we have done in our lives, Lord, you will always love us. No matter our sins, no matter our doubts, no matter our trials, our failures, our fears, you will always love us and you will never give up on us. So we give you this time, Lord, that you would fill us up, that you use us, and that your will will be done this morning. We thank you, Father. We love you. And we give you this time this morning, Father. In your, in your name we pray. Amen.
Abandoned 
Journey Church, you guys can have a seat. Uh, my name is Robert Norris, and maybe like some of you guys, uh, I grew up in the church, and so over the years I've heard a lot of messages about a lot of subjects. And I remember uh, as a kid, they would do a giving message, kind of like we do here at Journey. And I remember as a kid hearing all these stories about these people who came to know Jesus, and one of the things they struggled with was giving the tithe, giving 10%. They, they loved Jesus, they accepted him, they got baptized, but that was kind of their, their last struggle to get through. And I remember people sharing their testimony about how they finally decided that they were going to go for it. They were going to trust God with their finances. And they would say things like, you know, I was down to my last $500, and I had rent due in a week, and it was $500, but I knew God was calling me to tithe, and I struggled because this was it, and I didn't know how I was going to, you know, pay the rent, what I was going to do. Uh, but I decided, you know, I'm going to just go in faith and trust in God. And I remember as a kid just sitting there going, don't do it. Don't, don't, no, you, you need the money for rent. No, please, you, you'll, you won't have a home. Just, just, God will provide, you know. And so, but they, in faith, would just trust God, and they gave the tithe, and they would say, like, the next day, they got a check in the mail for $500. They said, oh, I got a bonus check from work, or I got a tax return, something unexpected. And I was so, so skeptical. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> You did not get a check in the mail the next day. That's not how it works, no. But so many people would share a similar story that I was like, these all can't be false. I mean, like, some of this has got to be true. Maybe God works in crazy, mysterious ways when we put our faith and trust in him. And it's amazing growing up in church that you come to that realization years later that God does crazy things. And so uh, that kind of, that, um, that, uh, that doubt turned into almost jealousy because God didn't work that way in my life. See, I got my first job at 17. I was making $4 an hour, and I tithed every week. I gave whatever the 10% was, and I gave it, and God never sent me a check. I checked my mailbox every day. I'm like, Mom, I'll go get the mail, and waiting for that check for Robert Norris that, that never came. And so I was trying to figure out, well, <laughs> how does this work, God? Like, these people get checks in the mail out of nowhere, and I don't get anything, you know? But then I, years later, I looked back at my life, and I realized, you know what? God does work in these crazy ways. I just want to share a couple quick stories. I wish I had more time to go into more detail, but a number of years ago, I went to Romania for the first time, back in 2002, and my wife and I, we had to raise $3,500 to go, and we were just married. I mean, that was like a ton of money, and I said, God, there's no way. There's no way you're going to get $3,500 together for us to do this trip. There's just no way, but we trusted, and we prayed, and we asked, and we did all the things God wanted us to do. And not only did God raise the $3,500, we got so much above that that we actually uh, brought duffel bags of sports equipment for the camp in Romania that we worked with because God had overprovided for what we needed. A few years later, uh, we planted a church up here in the Antelope Valley with the church I worked at. And one of the things we had to do was we had to raise uh, two years of support and benefits and all the things so that basically the church wouldn't have to pay us so we could start this brand new church. So they said, Robert, I think we need you to raise uh, $100,000. <laughs> I don't know, remember when 3500 was like crazy? This is 100000 Okay, God, okay, we're going to do it, and we're going to raise a couple dollars, but we're not going to do that, but we'll do our best, right? And God not only supplied that, he oversupplied that as well. And then a few years later, we, uh, with the church I worked at, we went to uh, Romania with that church. 
And so uh, we got eight people together and we each had to raise $3,000. Now, I don't know if you're good at math, but eight times 3,000 is um, quite a bit of money, quite a bit of money. And so uh, we, again, we prayed to God, we're like, okay, God, we're in the Antelope Valley, we're just, this is it. We gotta raise $3,000 for eight people to, to get there. And again, God provided, not only did he provide, he over-provided so that we actually made a donation to the church so they could build a building on the facility that they use for their summer camp. So they have a kitchen and housing and all these things because God had over-provided for what we needed. And then two years ago at this church, we went and we took four people. I said, okay, God, I don't even work at this church now. Uh, you're gonna have to provide for four people to go to Romania. And again, he over-provided for us. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, okay, God, you didn't randomly send a check in the mail, but you sure came through all these times. You sure came through and we said, okay, God, we're just, we, this is what you called us to do. We're gonna do it. And he provided every single time. And I don't know how it works for you in your life. And it's, again, it's not about the finances, but it's just about putting our faith and our trust in God in every area of our life. And so what do we do with that? What do we do? Well, God bless that if we kind of obey him and everything that he says for us to do. And I think the answer is yes. It may not be a form in the check in the mail, although if you do talk to me, I'd love to know that story. But it's going to be through something. God's going to provide for us in a way we put our faith and trust in him. So as the ushers come forward, will you guys pray with me? God, thank you so much that you provide for everything in our lives, God. You watch out for the, the flowers and the trees, God, so I think you can provide for us. So God, may we put our faith and trust in you and do everything that you have called us to do. God, even if it's not a significant amount, that's not the point. The point is the sacrifice that we're making for your glory. And we love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, here's some announcements. Thank you, Robert. Good morning, everybody. My name is Chase. I'm Micah. And we got a couple announcements for you today. First off, if you are a fifth or sixth grader and you enjoy this, but you want to be around your own people, you're more than welcome to walk outside into the lobby. We have a classroom and a message just for you. Yes. And if it is your first time here at Journey Church, we want to give you a big and warm welcome. We are Hugs. so happy you guys came here this Sunday morning. We are so blessed to have you. Hope you guys feel really welcomed here and a part of our family. Yeah. Um, as a way of kind of blessing you and celebrating you coming today, if you guys want to go to the hotspot right out there, we have a little gift for you. And if you are new, just a word of warning, we are a hugging church, so if you are not, yes, if someone true. approaches you like from a long distance away, put that hand out so they'll know this is not a hug zone here, this is handshake <laughs> Yeah, they make only. eye contact, it's yeah, over. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. But also, what we have going on is we serve this community as best as we can, and this Every winter we do a foster teen Christmas party, but right now what we're doing is do a backpack drive for all the foster teens that we can. We want to get together backpacks some school supplies and everything and give it to them. So if you have a backpack today, you can drop it off at the hotspot. But if you don't and you still want to contribute, you can write a check or give cash and just let them know what it's for. Yeah, and other ways that we love to serve our community is to serve the homeless around here as well. So we are going to be helping out Grace Resources on July 24th, and we really encourage you guys all to come. Um, as Journey Church, we really believe in being the hands and feet of Jesus in our valley and serving those around us. And so, yeah, definitely be a part. You can sign up in the hotspot. Perfect. And this is a warm summer. It's supposed to hit 100 degrees. How many people love summer here? <laughs> That was a better response than I was yeah. expecting. <laughs> but if you ever have been there on a so wow, a hot summer night, not a yeah, well, <laughs> and you thought what could make this better? Water is what could make it better. Water so we have a family water night that's going to be a lot of fun. August second, 
5.30 it starts. We'll probably have food and maybe like all kinds of cool stuff. Who knows? Bouncers, icy trucks. What are those called? Snow cone. There we go. <laughs> icy trucks. I was trying not to say icy yes. trucks. I knew that was wrong, but I had to tell you. I had to let you know to come to get some icy truck. So 5.30, August 2nd. Also, for all my ladies in the house, where are you at? Guys, first service this morning caught me off guard. They had a very loud cheer they for very early in the morning. They have a lot of ladies excited about this night. Lots of ladies excited about ladies night coming up. We are bringing in comedian Amy Barnes, and so it's going to be super fun. The date for that's going to be August 9th from 7 to 9 p.m. So all the ladies, you should definitely come, have a night out, have a night for some laughs, make some friends meet some people perfect it's gonna be at this building and husbands if you want to get brownie points just sign your wife up take care of the kids you know pay the registration let them have a night of fun a little word of warning like that like i'll just i'm looking out for you guys i want <laughs> you guys out. to thrive so make sure you sign them up and you give them a night to themselves to have some fun the comedian's awesome yeah. we heard some of her stuff she's hilarious gentlemen sorry you are not invited but it's okay sorry. we'll have some for you some other day so yes this is all we have for announcements. Um, we are in our third week, I think, of Let It Be. This is an amazing series, but as we get going, why don't you guys stand and meet somebody around you? Hope you're having a good Sunday so far. It's been a great morning. Excited to be with you guys. We are in week three of our Let It Be series. And uh, I'm loving this series. I love greenery. I love the idea of beauty. The practice of making it things beautiful is not quite so my favorite thing. I remember seventh grade, uh, one of our projects was he started a garden and uh, our, our teacher, and we all had to pick our own crop, whatever we were going to try to grow, and, uh, and we created this whole area. We had to till the soil, get it all ready, and then uh, every week, I really think he just needed something to get us away, like out of the classroom and away for a little while longer. So every week, we would have to go back out there, pick weeds, like check for bugs, and like you realize that the idea of gardening is a lot more fun than the practice of gardening. You have to like check the crop constantly. You're con and some of them are really high maintenance. Plants can be really, really high maintenance. Um, so I love the idea and the beauty up here. Our team has done a phenomenal job, our creative team, of making this happen. Uh, but today we're going to talk about recreating the garden today. 
We live in a world that is so filled with tension and stress and confusion. And, and I think we're, we're in a place in time where as we're approaching summer and, and things kind of s- slow down, question mark? I don't know if things slow down in summer anymore. And, and you know, in, in school, they always did. Summer was like the best time ever, and then you grow up. And summer is just a really hot version of work, you know? <laughs> it's just, just going to work sweatier. That's really all that's different. Uh, maybe you take a week off. But this idea of letting it be is this concept of, of putting things back the way that they were intended to be. Anybody struggle with letting it be in this room? We got some people who have a tendency of taking control, putting, getting their hand all up in the mix. They can't quite, quite, can't quite help themselves. Got to get involved. Got to, got to put a word in. You know, you got an opinion. You got a feeling. You got a thought. Uh, maybe in your own life, in the life of the people around you, it helps you to feel like they're, you know, that there is some kind of peace in the world when you take control and make sure that outcomes happen the way that you intended them to. My active people, you got to get stuff done. The garden was all about this process of work, but it wasn't just work, right? And work wasn't a result of the fall. So the last couple weeks we've talked about God intended us for work. He designed man in his image. Humanity was created in the image of God. He created them to rule, to reign, to lead. Um, and he created them in relationship with himself. And we saw that in the first, in the set of six days, the first set of days, days one through three, he created these habitats, these places. He created the heavens. He created the, the oceans and the waters. And then he created the land. And then in the second set of three days, he filled them. So the first, uh, so the, the heavens and the earth, uh, he placed the sun, the moon, and the stars in the heavens. And then he filled the oceans with all the, the fish and the creatures of the sea. And then he filled the land with all the land mammals. And uh, the NLT calls it like the the critters that crawl along, that like creep along the earth or something like that. It's like basically I've been calling them creepy crawlers all week long. Those are not also a result of the fall. This is all part of the design plan. But then he ends by taking man, his image bearer, this beautiful creation that is very good. And he places him in his natural habitat. You know it as the Garden of Eden. But Eden can literally be translated fertility or delight. And I love the idea of being planted in delight. One, because being planted in fertility feels weird to me. I don't, I'm like, I don't think I can preach that message. Somebody else can. Uh, but the garden of delight, of being placed in the center of delight, that we live in a day and age and in a world where I really believe we think, even as Christians, we don't ever admit to this because you'd get judged, but that if you want to find happiness, if you want to find fulfillment, you really got to search for it outside of God. So you take a trip, you know, to wherever. Find your own form of happiness. You look for it in your own special way. You know, this becomes a thing of like, okay, well, how do I find delight? How do I like deal with and cope with life around me? You know, is it, is it something that has to alter me to make me feel better about the world that I'm living in, about the things that are going on? We live in a world where antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds are, are topping the charts. We're the most enlightened we've ever been. We're the most connected we've ever been. You know, thank you to, thanks to social media and everything. And yet we are the most unhappy, the most depressed, and the most unfulfilled we've ever been. Welcome to America. Get some dreams, you know. 
And really, all we do is look on social media at everybody else's dreams and lives being fulfilled, and then we compare against our own, and we strive harder and try to make more to keep up with, you know, everybody else around us, and, and we struggle. Life isn't always just the beautiful garden of delight in Eden, right? But what if? Just a what if there for you. What if we could reestablish it today? What if even after the results of the fall, it could be recreated? Not the physical necessarily. Not, we're not all moving you know, to the Middle East to establish and try to recreate this garden. But what if? What if we could create it here and now today? What if it started by understanding first and foremost that God is the center of our delight, that he desires delight for you, that you were intended to enjoy, to celebrate, to delight, to find fulfillment, to find purpose. That in your work, we intend to go to him because he actually has that purpose and that design for each of us. Your life, your work is meant to bring fulfillment, but it's not meant to be where your identity is found at the same time. It's meant to be something that we do and we've talked about the first six days, but I cannot talk about reestablishing delight without talking about day number seven. Kept thinking about what I wanted to talk about because my dad's talked a little bit about rest and Sabbath and some of this, but I cannot, we cannot talk about the creation story and reestablishing delight, recreating it in 2019 in the middle of the Antelope Valley Desert without talking about Day number seven. Day number seven is easily passed over, especially in America, because we are the land and the people of the hardworking class. We get it done. We build it and we make it and we figure it out. It's part of what we are, you know, what we are known for. But it also has gotten to the point where in our culture now, you are celebrated for being a workaholic. Workaholism is the only allism that is celebrated. You're an alcoholic, you're not, you know, you go to you go to meetings. Right? Drug addict, you go to meetings, sex addict, you go to meetings, but you're a workaholic. Good for you. Yeah, you get a raise. We need to have some meetings for our workaholism. We gotta have some meetings. Today is a meeting. Maybe some of us need to stand up and say, hi, my name is, and I'm a workaholic. Workaholism, where we find our identity, the, this, this striving and pushing and getting more and needing to happen, I think, like, I think part of this is this understanding of us losing sight of God's original intent, his original design, the way Eden was discovered and developed, and how we rebuild it starts with, I think, this. The next step is this. First week, we talked about understanding delight comes from God. The second week, we talked about shame. You want to kill joy? Let's talk about shame. Last week was a heavy week. Why? Because you want to bring up delight. We want to get into delight. But if you're just trying to fake it and just trying to force yourself through life because you're holding on to shame, you're feeling the burden and the weight of your shame and your guilt, um, one, you're not going to fully be able to experience delight because part of that happens in relationship, and you can't be in relationship when you're covering your, up your shame and hiding because intimacy is being known, and we can't be known and hiding at the same time. But we talked about how God, from the very beginning, day one, covered 
shame. He is the coverer of our shame. Which brings me to today in reestablishing delight, because the good news is this. You don't have to be a really good person to be able to delight. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be really religious and have your Sunday mornings locked in. Any, anybody struggle making it to church this morning? Anybody have a, in a mental or an emotional like battle in yourself of whether or not you wanted to just sleep in or whether or not it was worth it, whether you wanted to, to try to make it happen? Maybe a fight with the spouse or an issue with the kids, and you're like, you know what? We're going to call it a day. Put some TV on. We're just going to lay here. Sometimes this is like a time of recognizing that this is, this is not easy for us. This idea of delighting, we think we've got to earn it a lot of times, but the good news is you don't have to earn it. In Genesis 1.31, it says it this way, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. So something we got to keep in mind, just to frame our thinking as we talk about day seven, is in Hebrew culture, in these early days, days did not start when you woke up in the morning and going through the night. It started from sunset to sunset. So evening started, starting the next day, till sunset the next night, and that was a full 24-hour period. That's where their day started. So when we look at it, we see that God intended, he, everything he looked at, he saw, saw the garden, saw the people, saw everything, and it was very good. It was really, this was incredible. So he goes on in Genesis 2, 1 through 3. This is where I want to pick up today. It's going to kind of be where we camp. This is what it says. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Notice there's a lot of repetition here. It kind of says the same thing. Feels like, you know, it feels like a little redundant, but it's meant to make a point. Read it again. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was complete. It's completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. There is something this morning we're going to talk about. We've, my dad has started a conversation on this, but we're going to continue on on this idea of rest. Day seven being the day of rest. Anybody struggle with rest in this place? Feel guilty on your day off because you know you got other things to do? Got to go to the grocery store. You got to get stuff done. Like, well, now that I don't have to go to work, now I got to work for myself. We got a list of chores, things needing fixed, things needing done. Feel like it's a struggle, it's a tension to just rest. Some of you are really good at resting. You rest every day. You could use some work. But for those of you who tend to live on the work side, rest can be tough. It actually can create anxiety. It can create, it can trigger stress. It can trigger depression. It can trigger a lot of things. Isn't this weird? We live in a world that is so busy and we aim for, when we're kids, what was the dream? What did we draw pictures of? We drew pictures of our homes and our families that we were going to have. Anybody dream of a family when you were growing up? You thought about your kids and the, 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 the perfect spouse you were going to have and this life that you were going to have and enjoy? Then you actually start having those things and you realize it costs money to have them. 
So then you start working for those things to be able to keep those things. Otherwise, you're going to lose your wife. <laughs> Somebody's lived it. It's a real life. You know, you find yourself, uh, you're, you're trying to create this world. You find out really quickly kids are expensive. Who knew? Diapers alone could put you out of business. That you find yourself in this position where suddenly the money that was a means to an end to be able to live this life of fulfillment becomes an end in itself. And the, what the original end was, which is enjoyment with your family in this world that you created, now is a nuisance and a strain on your bank account. And the end becomes the money rather than the people and the, the life you've created. Now the house is nothing that you drew and you dreamed about because it's this beautiful big house or whatever. Now is all it is is a bunch of endless projects and endless work. And you realize now you got weeds you got to pull. And uh, the... The faucet's leaky, and uh, there's, you know, rat turds over in the corner, so we should probably spray and check for those. You know, and all of a sudden, this dream isn't quite the dream, is it? And we're finding ourselves a bit more overwhelmed, so then we work more. One, so probably so we don't have to think about it. We avoid, so I just work more to avoid all of that. But two, because, you know, if we just had a little bit more, if I just had a little bit more, a little more money, a little more, little more, little more of this, little more stuff, then I'd feel the delight. I'd feel the fulfillment. I'd feel the enjoyment. Call that consumerism. We consume more, get more, get more, only to find out that all of those mores are more projects that have more things attached to them that are work. And then we're overwhelmed by the work. Do you feel the stress? I do. This becomes this moment of recognizing there was actually an intended design. That American culture may not have it all figured out. That our community and the world we grew up in may not actually be the end-all be-all to the way that was intended to experience delight. That this morning when we're talking about delight, God intended rest as part of this. Did you know this idea of rest is not it? The, the idea, the word is literally to cease, to stop. Now, unlike God, God completed all his tasks and therefore was able to rest. How many would love that feeling? Completed everything I needed to do, I can just take a break. In our world, that, is not, that, that never happens. That day never comes. You realize you're going you're gonna to keep working on stuff until you take your last breath, and then that's it. And then, surprise, we work in heaven. I know some of you thought we just sat around, we turned into fat angels, baby angels. And we sung songs and just flew around heaven, which is freaking weird. And no wonder nobody's excited about heaven. <laughs> like, what the heck? That is a crappy afterlife. <laughs> that is not what was intended. We go back to the original intent, which was what? To work, to live in with a purpose and with meaning, to rule with God. That is what heaven is. It is going back to the way humanity was originally designed to reestablish Eden, which is to rule and reign with Christ on the new heavens and the new earth. So our work matters, right? Our work today matters. But if we don't take a break, then we burn out. And this is, the, this is what we're going to talk about today. The word isn't just 
to, it's not just about ceasing, it's not just about stopping. It's not just choosing to sit and twiddle your thumbs on the couch while you stress out and think about all the things you need to get done, which makes this way less of an enjoyable experience. How many of that, that sounds like fun to you? Okay, fine, I'm not working, I'm not working, I'm not working. Oh my gosh, I gotta think about, I gotta fix that tomorrow. Or how many hours do I have left? I'll start at midnight. We'll, get, we'll start working at midnight. When does the 24 hours end? Okay, we're gonna get going right on that. We've gotta take care of a lot of things here to paying attention, hope the dogs. You know, we gotta take care of that outside, get dog food. We got things to do. It's not just about stopping, that's not rest. That's not rest. The idea of ceasing and stopping was actually bringing back in this idea of delight. It was celebration. It was enjoyment. It was a day to stop. And rather than thinking about all the things you still need or the things you don't have or the things that aren't working, you stop and allow yourself to fully experience all the work that has already been accomplished. Whether that is emotionally and internally or whether it's outwardly and physically is it is it your home and your life and the money and the, the things that you've been able to purchase and buy because of all the work that you've done you get an opportunity to just rest and enjoy it all of a sudden that family that you're doing all this work to provide for you can sit and enjoy when's the last time you just sat and had a good meal with some people that you love or if you're an introvert, in your bedroom with the door closed. <laughs> When's the last time you were able to just sit and enjoy rather than scarfing it down to get to the next thing? When's the last time that a piece of music moved you? The last time you watched a sunset or a sunrise without having to think about the next project, the next thing? When was the last time you were able to delight to really enjoy what you already have, not what you still need, but what God has already provided. The things that are already all around you. It's a mental shift, it's a challenge, it's a rhythm that God set in motion from the very beginning. God didn't need to rest because he was tired. God doesn't get tired. He rested because much like parents do, he was embodying how he wanted his kids to act. Now, do you have to rest? Do you have to take a Sabbath? No. In the New, in the new uh, Covenant, there is no command throughout the entire New Testament that you are forced to rest. It's not a sin. But you can also hold your breath until you pass out, which isn't a sin. It's just stupid. You can, keep, you can choose not to blink your eyes and keep them open, but your eyelids will dry out and you'll probably go blind. You can do it. You're not as sinful for it. You're, you're kind of dumb. You can choose not to sleep. You can go days on end just working and driving and making it happen and forcing yourself forward. You don't have to. Not a sin. But we all know it's not wise. You're going to start seeing things that aren't there. You're going to go crazy. The same thing is true with rest. God designed a pattern. Your eyes blink on purpose. You take breaths in and out on purpose. You sleep 
on purpose and we rest every seventh day on purpose. Rest is woven into the fabric and the, with the rhythm of how God designed us to do life so that we aren't just striving and pushing and making happen until we maybe make it and we're crawling along the finish line until our next vacation where we get a moment to breathe and then we need a vacation from our vacation because our vacation was so much work to get there and to get home. Now we're exhausted and we need to, when we're just planning our next vacation. Sabbath rest was actually intended to be a day of celebration. It was intended to be like a mini holiday. You do all the preparation work leading up till the moment that your, your day starts, your 24-hour period starts, and then you actually enjoy. You do, it's just like what you'd get ready for for Christmas or for the 4th of July or a, a family gathering where you do all the preparations ahead of time, and then you, at the moment that it begins, you relax and you enjoy it. Some of you, this is going to be the hardest work you do. Is just learning to accept God's control. This does a number of things. One, it helps us to recognize the created order. You are not responsible to rule and reign instead of God. You rule and reign under which means that we get to enjoy this, but in resting, guess what? The day you rest, life is still going to happen. Butterflies are still going to go through metamorphosis. Somewhere an animal is going to give birth, and it's going to live. A flower just blooms, and you had nothing to do with it. Like, life happens all around us while we sleep, while we rest, we don't have to be in control. We don't have to find that everything has to be done and all the weight of responsibility falls on us. Our only job is to be obedient day in, day out. And I'm going to show you how and why when we take a look at Exodus 16, 23 is the beginning of God has just brought Israel out of slavery from Egypt and they're going into the wilderness and they're about to go into uh, this this reestablishing of their, them being God's people, so he's bringing them into the promised land. But while they're in the wilderness, there's this interesting event that takes place where they're hungry. You know, as you do, you get hungry, and God starts to provide for them by raining down manna, literally translated, what is it? So there's what is it all over the floor, and people are getting it, they're accumulating it, and then they're eating it, and they're, you know, they're baking it, and they're able, they find they're able to make bread out of it, and this kind of sweet substance. Interestingly enough, in Exodus 16.23, God establishes how he wants the normal flow of their community to work and how he wanted them to live life in Exodus 16.23. This is what it says. He said, he told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. I think this is really interesting because... What we see here is that God set it up for there to be enough for a double portion of provision for the very next day. It was the only day that he gave them enough. Just like we all tend to do, people, even though he told them to only gather as much as they needed every single day until day six, people still could not help themselves, you know, because what if there's, what if we haven't, we've been hungry before. What if he doesn't come through? What if God doesn't show up? What if my bills don't get paid? What if this doesn't happen? So what do they do? 
they took things into their own hands and they start trying to save and they start trying to hoard and they keep more and they hide it and every day they'd, they'd wake up and see that it was already destroyed, that there were maggots in it and it was ruined. It wouldn't hold for more than a day so that they had to learn how to find provision in God every single day. They had to find what they needed in God every single day. Now, if we backtrack a little bit, on the day where we talk about creation and it being good, there were three things that God blessed in the Genesis and in the creation story. He blessed the creatures and allowed them to procreate. He blessed humanity and allowed them to procreate and to fill the earth. And then he blessed a day. He blessed the seventh day. And now the day is not going to necessarily procreate. But I do think that it fills our time. I think that when we choose to put God in the position of control and we look at Exodus and how the provision was taken care of, more than enough was given for those next two days. I believe when we begin to rest, God gives us more than enough to get through the next season that we need to get through. He gives us more than enough for the next week. We're not just existing, we begin to thrive because the moment by moment, the daily rhythms of doing it with God, we begin to delight in our work and then because we're able to delight in rest and we're able to delight in in relationship we're able to delight in his beauty and the things that he's done all around us and suddenly we're experiencing life as it was intended to and when we choose to rest he chooses to give us enough for the next he becomes our provision some of you I talk about rest and you get stressed out because it's your business it's your work or maybe you're tight financially right now and things got to get done and bills got to get paid and so I don't have a choice I got to work and think I got to make this happen and all I'm saying is we may need to start to pray for some simplification because you can do that and you will live your life existing or you can choose to step into the rhythm that God has for us and find that there was beauty and delight all along. We didn't have to wait for heaven one day to experience it. We began to cultivate it now. Did you know delight is not a feeling? It's a choice. We can begin to choose to step into delight when we choose to see the world around us rather than just what we need. This day of rest becomes, becomes a day of, ex, of experiencing and having and looking at what is already there. It is a fight, an active fight against consumerism. You know what you don't do? You don't go buy more. You don't go out on your, like, on your day of rest and purchase more things that you're then going to have to take care of and work for later on. You enjoy what you already have. It shifts your entire perspective from things that need to be done to things that are already done and the blessing that is already present Rather than just us approaching God as consumers and going, okay, God, the last blessing was great. Or I didn't even, maybe I didn't even stop long enough to see that you blessed me and answered that prayer. Because we're already moving on to the next one. We already got the next thing you need to provide for. Resting causes us to stop. He blessed a day of rest. He blessed it. This day was a day of celebration. It was meant to be a day of enjoyment. It was meant to be a day of fulfilling. For some of us, this looks different than others because I think most of us think that oh well that's Sunday that's why I have to go to church you know first thing in the morning rather than sleeping in I have to take care of you know my Christian duties and we make it religious and it's not religious there's a lot of freedom in this this was intended to bring about delight and the beauty of it is delight is experienced differently from each of us 
If you're an introvert and I told you that we're going to go to Disneyland, to a highly public place on the busiest day of the year, that does not feel like delight for you. Right? My introverted people get tired. Instantly that's like, no, that sounds like work. My extroverted people, I'm like, you're going to spend a whole day of solitude. Aren't you excited? And extroverted people want to die on the inside. <laughs> Can I talk to the animals? <laughs> you know, like, it's a struggle. You thrive in community. You thrive in relationship. These are not wrong. For me, learning to rest, from, because I'm, I'm a... I can be an extroverted introvert. I need a bit of both, but for sure, I need alone time. Now that our pool is finally done, this two-year project is finally complete, the thing that I look forward to every single week is getting a book, getting up, grabbing my coffee, and going out and just sitting outside, listening to the water, listening to the birds, and being re-centered with God. It's just a moment of just enjoyment, a time to be. And then I move on and usually do something with friends or, or family later on in the evening. This week, our friends Randall and Ashley had their baby. I know. It's exciting. She was the really pregnant one who gave announcements a couple weeks ago. They, uh, they had their baby, and we got to go drive down and be with them on Friday and enjoy this new creation, this moment, special moment, and fully be present. Yes, I could have started stressing about the fact that we got to, I got a message, I got to preach, I got to prepare, there's so much to do, we got things to be doing, but God has been fighting to teach this idea of rest, being present, being there, and it's been life-changing. You know how I know that I've been affected by a lack of rest uh, is when I start to, it starts out by just feeling a little bit more anxious, a little bit more stressed, a little bit more on edge, and I'm a little bit more snappy with the people around me. Not quite as patient, not quite as forgiving, not quite as easy. I get a little bit, you know, there's a little edge to my voice. A little irritability. Frustrated. Start to feel overwhelmed. Start to bring up insecurities because I start to feel like I'm not adequate. I'm not doing, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I need to do more. If I did more, then more would come about and life would be better. It would be more fulfilling. You start to find yourself coping because it's like, well, I'm so overwhelmed. I got to do something to make myself feel better. So you start coping. And so then I find myself, we're hanging out and watching me and my sister. We're talking about this yesterday, watching TV as a family and hanging out and enjoying. And the next thing I know, night's over. I should be going to bed, but I don't want to think because now work and being busy has kept, is keeping me and keeping all those feelings at bay. So then I just put on Netflix and I just binge until I literally am so tired. I can't keep my eyes open. Wake up the next morning and do the whole thing again because to sit and to think and to be present is to start to feel these feelings of wanting, these feelings of longing, these feelings of discomfort. And maybe, just maybe, part of that is because I've, I'm not centered, because I've not been resting. Resting puts us back in alignment. Suddenly, we are reminded of the created order, that creation was intended with a purpose, and there was a creator. And this creator was God and is God, that we are the image bearers, we bear his image and therefore follow his plan, rather than him being made in our image, which, which you know, we all, we like to do because it makes things a lot easier if God were to bow to my will, and that's, I think, why we turn to religion, because religion, we have a lot more control in religion. If I do A, B, and C, 
you are responsible to fulfill D. And you have to come through. So it's almost a form of manipulation and a form of control because, like, I do all these things. I do the right things. You're supposed to bless me. And if you don't, then you're not a good God anyways. Here's why this matters. We're going to get ready to close. The second part is that it, it said that he blessed it, and then he made it holy. He set it apart. It is a day specifically to enjoy, but not just to enjoy, but to worship. That there is a direct connection and correlation with our delight and our worship and our connection to God. That it is an understanding that God is central to all of this. This is what I want to look at. I want to look at a verse. We, we overlook it all the time, and for whatever reason, God just put this so strongly on my heart, I couldn't, I couldn't kind of like walk away from it. It's Genesis 3.8, and this is what it says. This is right after the fall. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing... The man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. I'm not focused on the, the man hiding and the woman hiding because there was sin. We talked about that last week. What I want to focus on is the fact that when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Now, I did some research on this, and I think this is really interesting. Most people do not believe that this was a one-time event. Some would say that this was just a specific event for judgment, that God was coming down to judge them because of their sin. But it sounds more like this was a common occurrence, that this idea of walking with God was a common occurrence. And so this was something that was a normal part of being in part of delight, being in delight, was walking with God. It was intimacy and connection with God. Maybe some of us are missing delight today because we've never experienced intimacy with God. We know God is, as the religious God. We know God is the angry, judgmental, harsh God who is never quite pleased with us, never quite satisfied, frustrated, and, you know, looks at us as, as just disapp and being disappointed. But maybe, just maybe, God delighted in us so much that all he intended was to delight with us, to experience life with us, to be in it with us. And so there's this relationship. There's this intimacy my prayer for some of you is that you encounter the intimacy of God, that you encounter an intimate, connected, close God. It may make you uncomfortable because you prefer a religious, distant, far-off God, but this is a God who is invested, who loves you, and is right there with you, walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. But this is something that I love, and this is just a thought. I don't have like evidence necessarily to prove this, but what we see is that because God is spirit, this is one of those moments that some commentators believe is a theophany or a Christophany. In other words, it is a moment in the Old Testament where we see God showing up physically before Jesus came in the New Testament. It is this idea that who Adam and Eve were walking with and who they came face to face with in the garden that day was in fact Jesus Christ himself. That the person of God that they were encountering, the physical form was Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Just a weird thought, nothing that I have any evidence of, but it just made me think because one of the, uh, the other ways that it's translated this verse talks about uh, is that it says that Adam and Eve heard the voice of God walking in the garden. How do you hear a voice walking? That's not a thing. Hearing the voice of God walking. But I started thinking, 
And like I said, I, there's nothing to support this. This is just a, a hypothesis of my own. What if, what if the voice of God is the same word that we see in John chapter 1? It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it tells us that that word became flesh and dwelt among us. What if there's this beautiful idea that God in the person of Jesus has been a part of this relationship, has been a part of this delight all along? And why I make this point is for this very reason as we get ready to close. This is the reason. You see this happen again with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're uh, holding on to their faith, and they're being told that if they don't bow to the king, they're going to die. They refuse, so they get thrown in a furnace. Three of them thrown in a furnace. And all of a sudden, they go to make a count because they should start dropping like flies. And instead, they make a count, and they're like, one, two, three, four. Four? You don't add people to the furnace. The furnace is intended to remove, to obliterate people. They melt them. The one, two, three, four, this idea of there being four, this other person was Jesus in the midst of it with them. Fast forward to the New Testament. Folks, the reason why what we do matters, you are living a theology every single day. Whether it is in alignment with scripture or not is unclear. But if I spent time with you, I'd get a taste of what your theology is. And if you were paying attention, you get a taste of mine. But this is the thing. We don't just come up with these cool ideas because, and look at creation because it was an idea. It's a concept. This is something that we have far more foundational basis for. Because in the New Testament, this man named Jesus came to earth, lived among people, died, and all of that is like, okay, fine. But the problem, the scandal was that all of a sudden, three days later, there was an empty tomb and nobody could answer why that was. They started trying to blame the disciples. But the disciples were like, why the heck would we steal the body? He starts reappearing and showing himself to hundreds of people, hundreds, who saw him because it was a public spectacle for him to be crucified. They see him. Suddenly, the Roman government, they can't seem to get this thing under control. It's taking off. Jesus disappears. He goes up into heaven, and we have now this experience where the disciples are carrying this on. Y'all, the disciples didn't need a fake Messiah to believe in. Everybody wanted somebody who was truly going to free them from the Romans. So to fake it did nothing for them. To pretend like Jesus was still the Messiah after he died made absolutely no sense. Why would they then die for this fake belief that they're trying to keep people alive? Like, if I died, you're not going to go dying to convince people that I'm still alive. You benefit nothing from it. But... If he is Christ, if he did rise, if he came back, then there are implications for our life today. The implications are that you serve a God. If you have been invited, if you have entered into this relationship with Jesus, where you have been invited into delight, you have been brought into fulfillment, you've been brought into purpose, it has implications for your everyday. We don't have to work like everybody else works. We don't have to stress like everybody else stresses. We don't have to be depressed and hopeless like everybody else is hopeless and depressed because we have a God who is in control. This morning... The good news is this. 
Jesus has been there since the beginning. He completed it at the end. He's going to come back and finalize it once and for all. But we are not waiting for heaven. We are establishing heaven now. It begins with us reestablishing delight, choosing to let go of our shame, choosing to see God as the creator of delight and not the one we have to hide from in order to experiencing it, to experience it. This is the moment in time where we as a community can create it in the middle of a desert. Delight and this beauty, this idea of recreating the garden is not just a physical concept. It is deeply spiritual and emotional. It is drawn about by intimacy and connection with God, that when we choose to rest, pick a day to rest. You want to get technical? As the worship team comes, we're going to close. You want to get technical? It's Friday evening at sundown till Saturday right before sundown, right as the sun sets. That is the 24-hour period if you want to get real technical about Sabbath on the seventh day. But it is not about a specific day. God blessed time. He blessed time time and made it holy that means your time matters all of your time matters there is this was intended with a purpose our time is important and our time of rest as much as our time of work is beautiful and has meaning there's purpose for your time there's purpose for your rest you can celebrate and enjoy every single week guilt free because when you're not working your god is he is in control. He's in control of your finances. When we talk about giving, giving is another part of the fabric and the DNA of how God designed us to function. When we choose to submit to that and allow him to be creator and us to be created in his image, when we submit to that, we may, crazy enough, find ourselves walking in delight, fulfillment, purpose, and meaning, and it will have nothing to do with the things that the world keeps telling you you need to experience it. You can have it today, right now. As we close, I'll read you a verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 48 says this. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes from first is the natural body. Then the spirit body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Folks, let us be heavenly people today, heavenly-minded, to realize that, yes, Adam royally screwed everything up, and we're still dealing with the consequences of that. On the other side, there is this, Jesus came. You struggle with the idea of creation and the idea of God and the idea. No, 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 no. You need to point back to Jesus. You're going to have to really work through how you do deal with Jesus. Because Jesus is a man who came, died, rose again, and turned the entire Roman culture upside down. So we rest. Because we don't have to be in control. We don't have to fix and make and force everything to happen. We can be and know that our God is going before us. He has provided for us. We worship the God, Emmanuel, God with us, and Jehovah Jireh, our provider. This is the God that we serve. Folks, let this bleed into your everyday. Let us walk with God. Let us reestablish what Eden looked like, walking with God in the cool of the evening. Create your time with God. Give yourself space to worship and thank him. 
to establish him as king and ruler over our lives. Thank him that it is not up to us and our good behavior that allows us to participate in delight. It is his faithfulness and his worthiness that allows us to participate. Today, you get to delight if you choose. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you could do today is go take a dang nap. Take a nap. Take the pressure off. There's no more guilt. Six days work, seventh day rest. Blink your eyes, breathe your breaths, sleep. It's all the same rhythm. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much this morning that you are faithful. Thank you so much that you intended delight for us, that we can reestablish and recreate the garden that you have given us the tools when we look at your intended design. Father, I pray this morning that we would take to heart your purpose for us to rest, to enjoy, to celebrate, to find things that bring your heart joy, where we don't need to cope, that things that bring on more shame, but wholesome fulfillment, purpose and meaning, and provision found in you. God, I pray for those who are struggling with anxiety and depression today. I pray that you would break those chains in the name of Jesus right now. Pray that you would bring healing and that as we choose to step into your rhythms, we would experience your peace. That we would experience life to the full the way you designed it. And that our lives would be overflowing with the blessing that you intended for us. Thank you that you are a good God who always leads us, who always comes before us and handles things on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to guess at the what ifs and all these things. We have you to look to and to point to as a foundation for our faith. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Be with us as we close. Help us to rest. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing. We're going to close. joy so mountains were born mountains were born the sea could not contain its praise the mighty waves roar the mighty waves roar and all of creation is singing the same song one hallelujah to you
One hallelujah to you and you alone. And holy, holy to the one who scattered the stars. And holy, holy to the one who holds every heart. And holy, holy to the one who scattered the stars. And holy, holy to the one who holds every heart. I'm a 